Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. This episode, I am so excited to have my first guest on the show, my SLP buddy, my fellow blogger, my co-host to the speech retreat, Maureen Wilson from the Speech Bubble SLP. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Thank you for having me, Hallie. I'm so excited. So Maureen has been a school-based SLP for 10 years. She's the author of the blog, The Speech Bubble SLP. Maureen has a Teachers Pay Teachers store with the same name where she creates comprehensive resources to empower and equip SLPs to provide therapy with confidence. She speaks all over the country about her passion, literacy-based therapy. Recently, she launched a web-based app, Swivel Scheduler, that solves that goal management and session planning problem that has bothered SLP for years, and it is super, super cool. So I'm so excited to have you here, Maureen, this week to talk all about goal management, picking the right goals. I don't know about you. Have you, did you back in your earlier years struggle to figure out like, what do you work on? How do you prioritize? How do you narrow goals down? Like we just want to work on everything because we want to help our students so much. Like were you in that same boat? Oh my gosh. I think I'm captain of that boat. (laughs) So we know that goals drive our therapy. And for us, you know, it's so important to pick the right goal because you want to pick the goal that's going to have the most impact and I remember you know in my early years like that I can say that now but back in my early years I think I made every mistake imaginable I had too many goals I probably started in the wrong spot but it's you know it's one of those things you learn as you go 
Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. Especially like I don't know about you. We use um, a IEP system called IEP Direct, and it has a goal bank. And in the beginning, we I would just like pick random goals from the goal bank because it was there. And when you see them, you're like, wait, they should work on that too. Wait, they should work on that too. And then over the years, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm only seeing them twice a week for 30 minutes. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm magic. Like I have other students to deal with. There's behavioral issues. There's field trips. I'm sick. They're sick. Like it's physically impossible to like address 10 goals in a year. Right. right. Like, like just because, you know, I would love to say in a year, I'm going to cure everything. <laughs> but then oh my God, if I could do that. Right. And we have to really, truly just say like, what can I work on now this year to make the most impact? Right. Like what, what's your big, your best tip for someone who's feeling that overwhelm and who's listening to this episode saying like, oh my God, that's so me. The best thing I could give, like the best advice I could give is when you're looking at your goals, it's just kind of what's going to have the biggest impact. What's going to roll over into their classes the most? Is it going to be working on comprehension or working on vocabulary? Where are you going to see, you know, most likely the greatest generalization that the teacher can come back and be like, you know what, I don't see them having this hard time anymore. Or I see them getting this faster. They may still struggle in other areas. Of course they will. But it's kind of laying out all the things that you want to work on and looking at the most things that they need to work on. And then kind of picking your top three and you know, refining even more from there. Definitely. Do you tend to, when you're creating goals, pick like one comprehension goal, one vocabulary goal, or is it dependent on the type of student? What's your best advice for someone who's like, okay, there are so many areas that we're addressing. How do you, do you pick from like one from each category? What do you like to do? I think of my student and I think of kind of their severity of needs. And typically, way back in the past, I would, I would think the more severe the students, the more goals I had to have. And if I didn't have a lot of goals because they were maybe a high needs case, then I was going to be looked at as like a slacker SLP. I didn't know what I was doing. But as time has gone on, I see my kids who are more intense, they need the repetition. And so if I have a bunch of goals, nothing's going to get enough time. So the more severe the kid, it's almost the less amount of goals I have because we need more time to work on those, you know, those base skills, those really important foundations of communications that they need. And if they have 10 objectives, I'm not going to be able to give everything the amount of time that it deserves. But if I have less goals that are going to kind of give you that higher boost, then it's going to kind of show that everything's going to get that nice impact. You're going to be spending your time more on quality, less on quantity. <laughs> and that's where we're going to see that growth start to happen. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And what is your best advice on where to start with? What information should someone gather and utilize to come up with those goals? Are you utilizing standardized test results? What's the best advice for someone who's like, I don't even know where, where to look? If you're just kind of sitting in front of you know, all the testing and just a blank IUP screen going, Alexa, write this. And just hoping it'll magically appear. The best thing I can do, what I do for my students is I will look at where they fall on the language processing hierarchy. I kind of, it, it was like maybe touched on in grad school, but then I kind of re-stumbled upon it a few years ago. And it's been like my beacon for goal writing. I'll look where they fall on this. And kind of build my skills from there because it'll let me see where they are. Are they at a labeling level or have they passed that? And we can work on functions. Maybe it's associations because I know 
if they can't do an association, we have no business working on synonyms and antonyms yet. They can't even make a relationship between objects. Then making a relationship between words is way above the level. So I will kind of start with where I see the results from an evaluation or um, a teacher's um, report, kind of where those skills are falling within that hierarchy and kind of start to veer off from there to build the areas of greatest need. Oh, that's, that's great advice. I, I, and I do similar things as well because it's so hard. You want to like work on everything because you see from the testing all the different areas that they struggle with, but you really truly have to look at where are they functioning now? Look at that present level performance and where can you take them and be successful? You want, and plus, we need our goals to be manageable, achievable, you know, all those smart things. So yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Especially when we have other things going on as well. How many goals do you tend to write? As much as I always think it's funny. It says smart goal, but yes, (laughs) exactly. It's a, how many goals do you tend to write for each student? See, I, when I, I think one thing I want to separate out is when people say goal and objective, people tend to use them uh, synonymously. And I have like, my goal is like an annual goal and my objectives are all my little, so I think of it in terms of objective. Typically I, to get work done for my kids, I'm no more than a total of six objectives. Okay. So six objectives, one goal? Usually spread across a couple of areas. So there might be, you know, two goals with three objectives. There might be three goals with two objectives, but looking at maybe receptive language, expressive language, pragmatics, maybe we'll have one completely dedicated to semantics, but maybe divided across those different areas. But I found any time that we kind of get above six different objectives to work on, or if they want to think of them as individual goals, because um, I know in some states that's how they're written. They're not objectives. They're all, their own separate goal. I think that's the same, and think that's how it is in New York where you are. Yeah, we um, are only writing right? object. Yeah, we only write objectives for like our life skills students, like and our preschool. So otherwise, it's an annual goal. We are not required to write those objectives, so we tend to forget that goals can be broken down into objectives, even though we're not required to write them, it's still beneficial when we're writing these goals to have that mindset of what stepping stones will these students need to eventually get to that end goal. And that's Mm -hmm. how like I, when I'm working on my sessions, I'm not working on that end goal each time. I'm working on the objectives. So. Even though, even though it might there. not be written down anywhere, it's in my head. Like <laughs> Exactly. You know it. It's piled in there. Exactly. 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 So whether, you know, depending on your state and requirements, you might be writing objectives, you might be writing uh, goals, but it's still the same concept of keeping it to a minimum and really specific for the needs of your student and not going above and beyond and over challenging yourself and it's not achievable. Right. I think what people forget is that special education eligibility is three years. So you have a three-year window to do a lot of work and trying to cram it all into one IEP year benefits nobody. So all it's doing is stressing you out, not giving you enough time to you know put together maybe the best plan you could for the, all of those goals. And then it's just kind of giving your students something, almost something new every other week that they have to work on to get around the less goals, but then you're going to be really picky about those goals. And if I have more than six objectives, I found that things weren't getting enough attention because there was so much to work on. There's only so much time to get things done before progress reports come out, before it's the end of the year or what the case may be. So more isn't always better. 
That's really great advice. It's more like less is more when it comes to goals. So true. So, so true. Now, and now like we've touched upon like writing goals and making sure that we have a game plan of how to make things achievable. What is your best, what are your best tips for now managing those goals and making sure you're addressing these goals throughout the year? So here you have a group of students, you're not working on one-to-one. You have that student with three goals, six objectives. Do you work on one, only one goal per session? Are you touching upon on others? How are you making sure each goal is addressed for each student and their needs? So what I like to do when I'm kind of looking at, you know, mixed groups is which everybody's facing. Very rarely are you in the situation where you do get one-on-one with a student and you can just, you know, leisurely cycle through their goals however you want uh, because there's no other students to accommodate for. But when you're sitting in a group of, you know, four second grade boys and everybody's working on something different and you have a limited amount of time, um, there's a couple of ways. I like to approach it, but when it comes to staying on track, I have a nice little system that I like to use. It's called Swivel Scheduler. It's amazing. It tells me what every kid, every day, and every session needs to work on. It's set up to rotate through the goals so that, you know, I can just print out my schedule for the day for weeks ahead of time, actually, and see what everyone needs to work on. That way, it will manage it for me. I don't have to worry about forgetting a goal because I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but Mm -hmm. come progress report time. And I'm like, Oh shoot, Joey worked on categories like eight times, but we didn't touch a regular past tense verbs. And where's Joey? Oh, he's sick today. So there goes my, that's always uh, the time you realize that's the time you always realize, Oh my goodness. I forgot that I wrote that goal about like that combining sentences goal. We, I have no idea if they can do it. (laughs) I know they're like, okay, we're going to ballpark this one. We're going to phone this one and see where that comes out. But it's, that's when you, you call the teacher of, up. You'll, you call the I teacher know. up, like, so have you seen Johnny do that? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> You're like, so what do you think? How do you think this is carrying over into the classroom? Make it sound like we worked on it a whole. <laughs> we just need your input. But when you think about it, you know, think about, I don't know, see the teacher perspective. You have a caseload of, you know, 50 kids, and some people are probably like, that would be amazing. Some people are like, oh my God, that's crazy. But, you know, nice round number, easy math. You have 50 kids. 200 goals that are all different on different days and different as like how is this I was part of is kind of like they want me to fail they want me to forget goals because how can you keep up with it so after trying many systems I found that I needed to take it off my shoulders so we created swivel I put in the goal and I put in how many consecutive sessions I want to work on it and it just rotates it into my schedule for that kid and then as soon as we've hit it, you know, the two times or three times that I've decided that would be best for them to work on, it flips to on their, um, on their schedule. Awesome. Is this an iPad app or is it a website? How can people access this? So it's a web-based app, which is a very fancy name for you can use it on any device. I really wish they'd come up with a better name because everyone's like, what's that? I can't find it in, in the iTunes store. And you won't find it in the iTunes store. So where can people um, find it? You will find it at swivelscheduler.com or swivelscheduler.app, both, you can enter both, it will take you to the same place. And it will take you to more or less a website and you can go in and sign up for a 14 day free trial. You know, plug in a few kids, you don't have to do your whole caseload. You can, you know, maybe a group that you see a lot during the week or the group that you're like, oh, I, you know, I just can't stay on top of getting everything done for them. You know, plug them in, see what you think. Cause then it'll tell you, you'll see everybody's goals on, your schedule ready to go for weeks in advance. So when I'm planning now, 
I'm just seeing, okay, you know, Joey's working on categories, Susie's working on past tense verbs, you know, Timmy's working on WH questions. Okay, I'm going to pull out this book and then I'll kind of refer back to, to my civil schedule to see how I need to adapt it for each turn sometimes, depending on the day. Sometimes I'll get really fancy and like write down on my schedule that I've, cause I have planned ahead. But uh-huh. no, I happens. love it that this, I love it that the schedule allows you to create a plan ahead of time. And I think that's really, truly the bottom of it is making yourself aware. Okay. I have all these goals that I want to achieve. I have this many weeks, like let's come up with a game plan and then make sure I am held accountable for it. Cause we have so many like things on our plane, especially like when you have that downtime to be able to think, that's when we can make those game plans. But when we're in the heat of the moment and busy and running from bus duty to lunch duty to testing to three different meetings in one day, you're just lucky to breathe and find time to go to the bathroom, let alone make sure oh, God, you've yeah. like tapped into every single goal. Like you're lucky if you looked at your planner that day. So oh, I'm lucky if I find my planner on my desk half the time. Oh, a, a student buried today, under a, so many other things. A student today told me that she wants to help me clean my desk. I'm like, is that a compliment? Oh. Or like, was that nice? Or was he trying to tell me something that I need to clean my desk? I'm like, it's, I, can, <laughs> I, I can find things, I swear, but thanks. I was like, but I might help take you up on that offer. And mine, mine are like, Miss, happened to your room. Like, thanks, guys. <laughs> I know. I love them, though. But it is nice to kind of, even because sometimes like, I don't even have time to make a game plan, but if I can see what everybody needs to work on that I didn't have to shift shift through a bunch of other papers to see what they worked on last week and what they didn't work on, if I can just see it all laid out, I can walk in and take the 10 minutes and figure out my day. And then if I happen to have another 10 minutes, you know, sitting around, I can figure out tomorrow. But I can, I can do that. I can still feel like I'm on top of my game, even when I feel like, you know, everything is just chaos. So true. So true. And I think, you know, to recap on like everything we discussed here is that we've all made mistakes with coming up with the right goals. And we've all made mistakes with making sure we've met all the goals and are following through on meeting up, meeting all those goals on a consistent basis. I want people listening to realize if you're struggling with this, you are not alone. Myself, we've we've made these mistakes and we're just trying to share with you guys things, what we've learned over the years that has helped us um, overcome some of these challenges. I'm hoping that you guys can too. Sometimes you still grow from year to year. I'll find an IEP and I wrote last year and I'm like, I wrote this? Mm -hmm. I didn't write this. Oh yeah. You evolve every year. I find those laundry list of goals. I'm like, how was I planning to achieve those three things in one goal? Like, how was I really going to do that? Why did I think this was a good idea? It looks really cute on paper, but (laughs) mm, but then I was like, yeah, let's not do that again. So thank you so much, Maureen, for coming on the show and talking about goal management and writing appropriate goals without going into the nitty gritty of writing goals, but making sure that you're coming up with the right decision on those goals. Tell everyone where can they find you? Where can they learn more about you? Other than the show notes where I'm going to put links to everything, including Swiveller, Scheduler, and everything Maureen, where can they find you? (laughs) So if anybody wants to learn more or chat, you can find me at the Speech Bubble SLP on Instagram and Facebook. You can go to my Teachers Pay Teacher store, the Speech Bubble SLP. You can always ask me a question. I'm more than happy to answer them. And then, of course, Swivel Scheduler is going to be your hub for all your goal management and data collection needs because that's a nice little feature in there. And also at Instagram for Swivel Scheduler. 
Thank you so much, Maureen. And I'm going to, I thought I was going to do a fun joke today for having my first guest on the show because I always end all my episodes with a joke of the week since everyone's starting their week off with this jolt of inspiration. So how do you get a tissue to dance? You put a little boogie into it. <laughs> All right, guys, there's your joke of the week. I hope you found that inspiration just what you needed to get your week going. Stay out of trouble, SLPs. Are you looking for quick therapy ideas that will help your students and keep them motivated and engaged? Don't forget to check out my Teachers Pay Teacher store at shopspeechtimefun.com. I have everything you need for older speech students, mixed groups, and more. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.